0: This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Good night for the Mets so far. Five zip over the Phils. Yanks, now well, they got some work to do. As the scuffle, the struggle, it's real. It continues. 3 nothing. They trail the Blue Jays in the seventh inning over in the Bronx. Yanks have four hits tonight. Kevin Gossman on the mound for the Jays. Now, Kevin Gossman was the American League pitcher of the, or uh, excuse me, the American League player of the week two weeks ago. So, you know that he's got ability. I mean, Gossman's a guy, you know, all star, big money sign. Remember, the Mets were in on Kevin Gossman in the offseason. And he ended up going to Toronto, and the Mets pivoted and, you know, got Max Scherzer, which is not a bad consolation prize, I would say. But the uh, Yanks have their hands full. Still have nine outs to work with, but they still got some work to do here this evening. Um, Giants Sunday against the Bengals. We have talked about that a little bit. Jets Monday night at the Meadowlands as well. They'll take on the Atlanta Falcons. You can hear it here on 98.7 ESPN with the pregame coverage beginning at 7 p.m. A couple of little uh, quarterback tidbits around the league want to get to. Number one, the Patriots are playing the Carolina Panthers. Tonight in preseason action. You heard it there uh, with Kevin Winter on the update up in Foxborough. Yes, Matt Patricia is the one calling the plays, but that's neither here nor there. The interesting note is what's happening on the Carolina side of things. Because P.J. Walker got the start at quarterback, and he has since been relieved by Matt Corral. Essentially, those two dudes are the third and the fourth string quarterbacks at present time for Carolina. No Baker Mayfield in this game. No Sam Darnold in this game. What that tells you, you don't have to be a genius to figure out, is that if neither one of those two are seeing the field in this game, the Panthers have already made up their mind as to who the starting quarterback is going to be come week one against the Cleveland Browns. And guess who it's going to be? It's going to be Baker Mayfield. Um, He got the start last game. He's gotten the majority of the first team reps so far in camp with the Carolina Panthers. And so for our pal Sam Darnold, I don't know what that means. I don't know what his future is. I, I mean, if you ask me, are the Panthers prepared to go into the season with P.J. Walker, let's say, as their backup quarterback? I mean, are worse options. I mean, P.J. Walker got playing time last year. Now, in a perfect world, you don't want to see anything happen to your starting quarterback. But I don't think that Sam Darnold, even though Sam is a real, real good dude, And he is not going to be the type of guy to ruffle feathers in any way, shape, or form. He's a team-first guy. But Sam wants to play. You know? Sam was supposed to still be here with the Jets in a perfect world. He was the franchise. He was the savior. He was thought to be those things. And it didn't work out. Then he goes to Carolina for a new lease on life. You thought that, okay, change of scenery, his career is going to take off. Well, guess what? It looks like he's on his way out the door already in Carolina. So I wonder... As we get closer to roster cutdowns and the end of training camp and that sort of thing, if Darnold is not going to win the job in Carolina, and it certainly doesn't appear that way, is some team going to pick up the phone and call the Panthers to try to bring Sam Darnold over to them? I thought when the Browns made that trade to send Baker Mayfield over to the Panthers, I thought it made perfect sense for Carolina to send Darnold back to Cleveland. Right? I mean, Sam's in the last year of his contract, because Carolina went ahead and picked up that 50-year option. You knew that Deshaun Watson was, in, was likely facing a lengthy suspension, and he will be 11 games. So now if you're the Cleveland Browns, you're still left with Jacoby Brissett. And I know that Jimmy Garoppolo is still in play, because the 49ers certainly are not going to keep him around. They've already said as much. So you have Garoppolo on the last year of his contract. You got Darnold on the last year of his contract. Both of those guys stand a good chance to be traded. The question is where? And something could happen over the next couple of weeks around the NFL where a quarterback or a team starter is going to go down, suffer an injury, and they feel that they have a pretty good roster and they want to not punt away the season. You pick up the phone and you call one of those other two clubs. Now, if I had my druthers, like who do I think is going to be more coveted between the two? you got to say, of course, Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo has played in the Super Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo is 33-14 and as a starting quarterback. The guy has won. I know he's coming off of a shoulder injury and shoulder surgery and that sort of thing, but, you know, by all accounts, he's ready to go. I feel bad for Sam. I do. You know, I I, I got to know him pretty good while he was here with the Jets. Um, Still feel bad about the way things worked out here. That, you know, he couldn't live up to all the billing of being the third overall pick in the draft. And I was really pulling for him when he went to Carolina. And I was hoping that he would develop into a top-notch starting quarterback. But it's not happening for him. Is his career over with? Of course not. You know, he'll, he'll be around the league for a while. I don't know if he's a starting quarterback, but he'll still be around the league. So who knows how this is going to shake out over the next couple of weeks. Meantime, Jets are going to see the Ravens in week one. And Lamar Jackson is under center. Remember, he missed time due to injury last year for the Ravens. And he still doesn't have a new contract. Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent either. And he's been kind of talking with the team. His mom has actually played a role in the negotiations. But still no pen to paper just yet. And the thing that's interesting about Lamar Jackson, we know that he's super talented. We know that he's already got an MVP award. Remember, Lamar Jackson essentially was part of that Sam Darnold draft class with Baker Mayfield in 2018. He was the last pick of the first round. Became a full-time starter for the 2019 season. So he's been a full-time starter for three years, and the guy's already got one league MVP award. It's pretty good. Imagine winning an MVP, one every three years. I think anybody would sign up for that. But he still hasn't gotten paid yet. And you look at the way that he is used right now. And you look at the way that Baltimore offense operates, at least in terms of the passing game. Steve Young, Hall of Famer, our very own Steve Young, is on the K-Show each and every week during the football season on Mondays. Steve Young was on the pregame show last night for the Seahawks and the Bears preseason game that they had on ESPN. And let's just say he had some pretty direct comments about the reason why maybe... The whole world isn't 100% entirely sold on Lamar Jackson, and he didn't point it at one person in particular. Instead, he decided to point it at an entire team. Take a listen.
1: Why isn't he getting paid to be Patrick Mahomes? Because they haven't given him a chance to be Patrick Mahomes. So until they do, Lamar Jackson's damned because of what the Ravens are doing, not because of Lamar Jackson. I can't wait for someone to train Lamar Jackson in the sophisticated passing game. I think he'd be the greatest player in the history of the game. He's being held back by the Ravens. I want the full measure of who Lamar Jackson is. And the full measure is not being brought forward by the Ravens. And if that's not the case, then get out and find
0: someone who will. What did he say that's wrong there? I, I, I can't really disagree with anything he said. And I'll give you a prime example. Remember one of the moves that happened during the offseason? Right? Ravens traded Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, who has since been arrested for a DUI. But they traded Marquise Brown to the Arizona Cardinals. And you say to yourself, well, why would you do that? He's one of their prime wide receivers. Like one of, one of Lamar Jackson's top targets at the receiver position. Marquise Brown wasn't exactly shedding any tears getting traded out there. You know why? Because Marquise Brown is playing for a new contract. And he probably knew after playing in that system for the last couple of seasons, he realized his chances of going out there and padding his stats and putting up crazy numbers and then being in a position to get himself a big, fat contract, we're probably limited to a certain degree because of the way this passing game has been operating, yes, led by Lamar Jackson, but more importantly because of the way that it's designed and structured from the Baltimore Ravens. You got to produce if you want to get paid. And for whatever reason, you never look at this Ravens passing attack under Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator, and think that it is going to be an air-it-out vertical threat. You know why? Because the prime pass catchers, the prime targets in the passing game for the Baltimore Ravens, they're not wide receivers. They're the tight ends. Mark Andrews, that is the main target. Nick Boyle, big target. They've got some talent. I mean, Rashad Bateman's a speedster. Like him a lot. But they haven't produced. And I don't know if you put it really on the shoulders of the quarterback. Because they still find a way to win games until last year when the quarterback was hurt. And they couldn't produce and they couldn't win. But when you have one of his wide receivers who really doesn't mind getting out of there, that tells you all you need to know, does it not? Now when we come back, eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. We'll talk a little bit more about the Giants, what you want to see in preseason game number two coming up on Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals. And I asked the question when we went to the update a little while ago, and I'll ask it again. And it's a question that has been on a lot of people's minds in NFL circles over the last week. Where, oh, where is Tom Brady? Well, if you're a conspiracy theorist, and if you're a big believer in what you read on the Internet, we might have cracked the case. We'll talk about it when we return. Dan Grasso with you till the top of the hour, right here on ninety ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on ninety eight point seven ESPN. Now <laughs> right, we were talking about the Panthers and Sam Darn a little while ago. I guess at halftime of the NFL Network broadcast because they're showing the game tonight. The um, Panthers and the Patriots. Steve Smith, who you know was an analyst for uh, NFL Network talking about the quarterback position the quarterback battle for Carolina and he thinks that Baker Mayfield should be the starter he said quote Sam Darnold's going to put you to sleep reading a book we don't need any librarians out here okay I don't know how skilled or how well versed Sam Darnold is in the Dewey decimal system among other things but look I think we can all read the writing on the wall Baker Mayfield's going to be the starting quarterback week one for the Carolina Panthers. Um, 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. So, I ask you this question. Anybody know where Tom Brady is? Anybody? You know, Chicago had that song all those years ago. Does anybody know what time it is? Well, does anybody know where Tom Brady is? Because he took a very cryptic absence, leave of absence, from Bucks camp a week ago. And it was so-called personal reasons, and the team was okay about it. The team said they knew about it. Todd Bowles, who's the new head coach, our old pal from the Jets, kind of just brushed it off as, yeah, you know, we, we were giving heads up. We knew that this was a thing. And he'll still be here ready to go. Like, he remember, the way that they phrased it was, he's going to be gone until after the second preseason game that they play this weekend against, I think it's Tennessee. But he'll be out there week one against the Dallas Cowboys. No worry. So everybody's trying to figure out, like, what happened? Is Tom having second thoughts? Is he going to retire? Is there something happening at home? Or, you know, if him and Giselle hit a rocky part in their marriage, like, well, what's going on? Is everybody okay? Where's Brady? Because this is not like a guy who has been like the ultimate competitor, takes his training seriously, takes his day in and day out seriously. You don't last until you're forty-five years old and played an extremely high level in the NFL if you don't take everything seriously, which he the T B twelve method, right? He wrote a book. It's a lifestyle, it's a way of life. So where is he? You know, we'll Mike we'll Tanabam and I will. We?
2: Next week. I'm um, not concerned about it right now. We're trying to practice against Tennessee and play a game. I said sometime after Tennessee. There's no definitive date for me, but we'll check on it, and we'll keep in touch, and we'll find out.
0: There you go. There you go. Todd, you know, it's funny. Like, I'm thrilled that he's got another chance to be a head coach, and you hope he's going to make the most of it. You know, I – Getting to know Todd a little bit when he was here coaching the team. Real good guy. Things kind of get out of his control when he was here. It got to be kind of wrong place, wrong time. I think we all know that. So, now Brady leaves. And you're wondering, is this going to be like a season full of controversy again? And you would think he's got a chance to really be successful because he's got the GOAT as his quarterback. But if Tom Brady's not there, then all that is going to completely crumble. They're going to be like a house of cards. So the Internet, you know, if you go on different things that have kind of popped up over the last couple of days, you know, one user on Reddit specifically have all been kind of playing connect the dots. And and look, I'll be the first to admit, it's crazy. It's far-fetched. But if you allow yourself to take a step back for a second, like, is it really the most illogical, nonsensical thing in the world? And bear with me on this one. I'm going to explain to you. There is a rumor that is making the rounds that the reason Tom Brady is not in camp with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is that he appeared and is taping an episode on that television show on Fox, The Masked Singer. True story. Like, think about it. Tom Brady, Mr. Football, Mr. Teammate, Mr. Committed, Mr. Everything, according to this report and this rumor, has gone AWOL from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, to which they have given him permission to do, to go out to Hollywood and appear on The Masked Singer. Which, you know, that episode is probably going to air sometime in the fall. I don't even know when the show is on. But they're they're not live. Because they got a, you know, a lot of post-production and all those things. But this is when he's got to tape it. Because obviously he's busy in the fall. It's called the football season. And there's a couple of reasons that people are playing Connect the Dots as to why they think that this is actually legit. Number one, the Masked Singer is on Fox. What network essentially is prepared to give Tom Brady, what, I lost track, three four $400 million to call games for them as soon as his career is over. That would be Fox. So I'm sure that maybe somewhere in the negotiations and in the contract it said, okay, Tom, we'll give you all this money. We'll let you basically pick and choose when you're going to join us and when you're going to stop playing football. But in the meantime, can you appear on The Masked Singer? which is one of our big programs, and we're going to tease the hell out of it, and it's going to get huge ratings and, and, and boffo numbers, and we could sell a lot of advertising dollars behind it. And, of course, if this is something that was scheduled probably way in advance, it was going to be sometime in August. So Brady, when he came back, told the Buccaneers, hey, guys, I already made this commitment to Fox that I'm going to be on this show, but it's right in the middle of training camp. Is it, do you guys mind if I leave town for maybe like a week and a half, 10 days at the most, so I could film this thing? But don't worry, I'll be back. I'll be back in time right after that second game. And look, the Bucs probably are up against the wall. What are they going to say, no to Tom Brady? Like seriously, do you really think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to win anything this year if someone not named Tom Brady as their quarterback? Not that Brady's ever been that dude, but he essentially pulled the power move here because he can. They need him more than he needs them. Tom could walk away from the game tomorrow, and he'd be fine. He's walking into a $300 million gig with Fox. Whereas Tampa Bay, if they're left with Kyle Trask, they're left at a 3-14 and season probably. Right? So, of course, they're going to let him go do the Mass Singer if that's what he had worked out in advance. Also, among some of the alumni on the Mass Singer, Rob Gronkowski, his good buddy, Antonio Brown, who I don't know if they're buddies anymore, but at one time they appeared to be close. Tom even let him stay in the house for a little bit while they were still teammates. So I'm sure he talked to those guys about, hey, you know, what is the show really like? Is it good? Is it, you know, are we okay with it? Should I do this thing? Hell, if Gronk signed off on it, you know the Brady will probably do it. Now, I don't know how much credence you want to put into this rumor, but I got to be honest with you. On a Friday night in August, we're sitting here finishing up our first week of shows, and you like to think that it's nothing overly serious? You know what? Why not? Why the hell not? Seriously, like, I've, I've, I've heard a lot of crazy things. In my years. But this one, I'm willing to go all in. Like, I actually think it's funny. It's amusing to think that Tom Brady, in the final year of his career, which in all probability it's going to be, right, leaves training camp right in the middle of it to go film a reality television show. And the Bucks are cool with it. Can you imagine? And this got me thinking, too. Can you imagine if he was still a member of the Patriots, and he went into Bill Belichick's office and said, hey, Bill, I got this thing that I committed to, the mass Singer. I'm going to take off around August 12th. I'll be back sometime after the second preseason game. You cool with that? Like, would Belichick even answer him? Or would he treat him like he essentially treats the, the media that ask him questions after a game? Well, what can Tampa Bay do? Like, 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 what can they do? It's not commendable, and it's really kind of contradictory. Because let's just say it's true. You know, for Brady to do something like this at the very end, you almost want to tell him it's like, I don't care how many rings you have. I don't care what you've accomplished. Like, this is kind of crappy to the rest of your teammates. You've been, like, such the model teammate, such a team guy all these years. You're preaching all this stuff, team first, selfless. You took less money forever in New England so they could go out there and, and get players and build a winner around you, and now... At the very end of your career, you're going to pull something like this? They're going to be on a reality show and leave camp when all those dudes are out there busting their you-know-what? Like I said, I'm willing to give it a chance. Because I would just love to see the fallout from it. Remember, I'm in the business of controversy. Controversy sells in this field. In this line of work, controversy allows us to have stuff to talk about, boys and girls. That's what makes this thing fun. (laughs) That's what makes it great. Oh, my goodness. And I'll tell you, somebody needs to get their story straight down in Tampa. Because, Tom, do me a favor. Play that Todd Bowles cut one more time. This was Todd Bowles being asked if he knows when Tom Brady's coming back. We'll see. We'll talk about it
2: next week. i not concerned about it right now. We're trying to practice against Tennessee and play a game. I said sometime after Tennessee. There's no definitive date for me, but we'll check on it. And we'll keep in touch, and we'll find out.
0: All right, so that was yesterday. That was Todd Bowles yesterday. Today, he actually backtracked on what he said, and he said, yes, I indeed know exactly when Tom Brady's coming back. So what changed in 24 hours? And unfortunately, Todd is the one who looks like he's in a bad spot because he's having to cover Tom Brady's tracks. And I feel bad for him that he's making his coach have to play 20 questions with the media. But it's all for the price of winning, is it not? Like I said, I would, I would love for it to be true. I would love for it to be true. And then can you imagine if Brady gets out, gets out of the gate slow? And he has like a bad, for, like he plays the worst football he's ever played in his life. And Tampa Bay starts off like one and three. Oh, my, the national media is going to destroy him because they're waiting for it. Right? Aside from Deflategate, he's been, he, he's been adored for 20 years. They're probably just waiting to pounce. Jet fans wouldn't mind it either. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Say hi to Tommy and Beth Page. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Tommy, how are we doing? Hey,
1: Dan, how are you doing?
0: Good, Tom. What's going on? Not much. I
1: just listen to uh, what you we were saying about Brady. And um, my thoughts were this on it. I feel like um, when it comes to the money, and the reason why I don't believe the Reddit guy and why I don't think there's any validity to it is that um, you're talking about um, Tom Brady and the money that he's going to make off the. Deal with Fox 300 to 400 million and doing a mass singer. And my question is if you have three or four kids or five kids and whatever, there's got to be a point where you say, okay, enough is enough. Like, is it a million dollars, a billion dollars, and uh, is it, you know, a trillion dollars? And Brady's got so much money over the course of the last 20 to 30 years that I don't think money is a driving factor. As far as oh, like you know, you guys do the Masked Singer, but we're going to give you three hundred to four hundred million
0: to do the Fox deal. So I, I don't think there's I don't think there's anything to that. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, let me ask you this, Tom. Okay, put yourself in his shoes for one second. Sure. If and, and it doesn't even have to be like in regards to the Masked Singer, but let's just generalize. Let's say some Fortune 500 company wanted you to work for them. And they were going to pay you $300 million. But one of the stipulations in the contract is that they want you to show up to the company picnic and they want you to perform karaoke in front of I don't know how many, you know, hundreds of people that are going to be there. Do you think that that one karaoke event is a small price to pay for, let's say, a $300 million salary?
1: No, I don't think so. But my point is, is Dan, as is me and you and anybody else in the world, out of the 7 billion people on the whole the planet we call Earth, is, like, there's got to be a number when you don't become a sellout. And that, like, Brady, you know, he's he's done so much in his career that there's got to be a point where money does not matter.
0: But I don't think it's going to tarnish his – I mean, Tom, it's not going to tarnish his legacy in any way. Remember, Terry Bradshaw was on The Mask Singer. I know Terry Bradshaw's a goofball, but – Terry Bradshaw is in the Hall of Fame. You know what I'm saying? Like a, a, as a quarterback, there've been a lot of Joe Buck was on The Masked Singer. My point is, what did what did those guys have in common at the time? Bradshaw works for Fox. Joe Buck worked for Fox at that point as well. Now he's of course with us at ESPN. I I, I just think that the other thing you got to remember too, Tommy. And I know that Br- Look, nobody is starting a GoFundMe page for Tom Brady anytime, any anytime soon. But Brady was like never the highest paid player on his own team. Brady isn't even the highest paid individual in his own household because Giselle makes more money than he does. So maybe this is a way for him. He's like, you know what? $300 million, I'll do whatever the hell you want me to do. I understand, but I
1: I, I just think that uh, look, I and mean, we're talking about when we're talking about two different things here. We're talking about the NFL and and what to accomplished. And yes, man, I'm not talking about saving face as far as Terry Bradshaw and Joe Buck goes. Because I'm not saying that if Brady does the Masked singer, I'm not saying that he's going to lose face after winning all the Super Bowls he's won. He's not going to lose face. I'm just saying that I don't think money is a driving factor for Tom Brady anymore.
0: Um. Let's put it this way. It doesn't hurt. And, Tom, thanks for the phone call. Because remember what happened. All right? One of the reasons why he finally left New England, money had something to do with it. Remember, he took the hometown discount. He gave the Patriots a deal his whole career so they could go out there and sign players, good players, keep the good ones in-house so they could be competitive each and every year. I mean... When Brady was winning those Super Bowls with the New England Patriots, all those years, and we sat there and we ranked, you know, the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL and and salaries and all that stuff, Brady was never even in the top five. And he accomplished more than any of them. But when his contract was up in New England, you're damn right. Like, he went to the highest bidder. And look at the money he signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's getting paid now, I think, off the top of my head, like over $40 million a year. He's Tom Brady, or close to it. But it wasn't until he went to the Buccaneers was he finally compensated for what he has given to the game. Like we said, like Joe Flacco once upon a time was the highest-paid quarterback in the game. Never Tom Brady. Matt Ryan was the highest-paid quarterback in the game at one time. Not Tom Brady. Robbie in Massachusetts, he's up next. Dan Gross's show. Rob, how we doing this evening? You doing all right?
2: Yeah, Dan. But you know what's interesting? I don't have the game on tonight because Apple TV has in my baseball packages, and thank God, because it's torture. I, I just want to congratulate Aaron Boone. Did they, they feel like like the names of the players in a hat and just shake them up and decide who's going to bat? I, I love this. <laughs> this is great. Brilliant. This is really brilliant. I know I know Ben Teddy's batting 200. You know I know he's been batting 200 with the Yankees. I know that's another great acquisition, but I really wanted him here. But I love how they bat him fifth. Like, what does that do? And then Kyle Igachioka has an OPS of about 500. Yeah, let's put him ninth. That's really work. And yeah, so 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 Lemayo can get up by himself. And if LeMano doesn't get on, here comes Judge he again by himself. Why is it that Buck Showalter has a brain and Aaron Boone doesn't? Why is it that Buck Showalter knows that Lindor should bat third and Alonzo and yeah, should bat fourth? And he knew the Mets were going to bounce back. tonight. By the way, Mets fans, don't worry about your team, Okay. Boone has to go. I'm sorry. It's not all his fault because this is Cashman's team, Dan, but Boone has to go. The malaise has gone on too long. I'm tired of hearing, well, you know, if we get Stanton back, who's going on a rehab assignment, you think that Stanton's going to turn into Mickey Mantle as soon as he comes back Dan? honestly. And I got to get your thoughts on Daniel Jones. Are you sold on Daniel Jones? Do you think Tyrod Taylor would be a better guy to start for the Giants come opening of, of the season? What do you? Think? You
0: got to start with. You got to start with Daniel Jones, Robin. Thanks for the phone call. Yeah, uh, have thanks, a good buddy. weekend. You, you got. You got to start with um, Daniel Jones. He's going to be given a first crack, and remember that made some waves earlier this week, right? That made some waves earlier this week because Tyrod Taylor was going to get some first team reps. But I think that that's just like covering their bacon, if you know what I'm saying. Of course they're going to say that because they want to keep Tyron Taylor sharp. But do I think that Brian Dayball and company are going to hesitate in any way if Daniel Jones gets out of the gate slow at the beginning of the season? No, I do not. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. (laughs) No show Monday night because we've got Jets football. Jets Falcons, MetLife Stadium, I'll be on Greg Buttle and myself with the pregame show beginning at 7, right after TMKS. If you are going to the game, if you are going to be in the coaches club, the EY coaches club there at MetLife Stadium, you can stop by and say hello. That's our broadcasting perch. It's going to be good to see those folks again, led by my pal Billy Lohr and his very, very hardworking staff, all great people. Um, yeah, it's like our second home. It's like our football home during the season, all those people. So our football family. So it'll be good to see those guys once again. And, uh, hey, starting a new season. Looking forward to it here. Uh, Jets and Falcons coming up on Monday. Giants Sunday night at home against the Cincinnati Bengals as well over at MetLife Stadium. So we'll be back with you on Tuesday night at 7 for our resumption of our little program here. I'd say things are uh, off and running on our first week. Nobody was injured or hurt in the making of this program, so it's good that we were able to get through uh, week number one unscathed, and it's onward and upward from here. Uh, Last night, you know, we talked on it briefly. Donovan Mitchell was over at Rucker Park checking some things out, you know, shaking hands, kissing babies, that type of thing. I think he was promoting something. I forgot what it was, though. But um, You know, he's look, he's a New York guy, and the rumors aren't going away, and we all kind of know that the Knicks would love to get him. The question is, what's going to be the price? What is Utah going to want to covet? in terms of draft choices, young players, you name it. They haven't been able to work anything out just yet. But you know that the conversations are still ongoing. We found out that report earlier this week from Shams over in The Athletic. Brian Windhorst, who, of course, is NBA insider, NBA soothsayer extraordinaire for ESPN. He um, appeared on the Hoop Collective pod And talking about these Donovan Mitchell rumors, he said that, you know what, it kind of jars the memory bank a little bit. It reminds him of something else in the past involving the Knicks. Take a listen.
2: In theory, let's say that they do a Donovan Mitchell trade. Let me just say, like, this kind of reminds me of when the Knicks were negotiating for Carmelo Anthony. And it mm-hmm. was like, I know the Nets got in there and whatever, and they got some level of close, but really it was like a four or five month dance. Right? How much are the Knicks going to end up paying for Carmelo? I think you always acknowledge that in the NBA, things change. and You do get surprised. It's the nature of the league. But after you qualify it with that, you say, really, this is just a matter of mm-hmm. establishing when and place. how much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you think that could happen before the start of the season. I would be surprised if that happened before the start of the season because I just think they're not going to agree on the price.
0: About a month ago, I was leaning more towards it would have happened before the start of the season. Now, obviously, I'm kind of with Brian and think that it's going to have to take some time. Remember, Melo didn't happen until February, January or February, but it was you know certainly during the season when he was traded to the Knicks. And if you remember, you know he brought up the Nets thing. The Nets actually presented the Denver Nuggets with a better deal. Like, what would have helped the Nuggets out more? The Nets package that they were offering. But Melo turned it down, and he didn't want to go to Brooklyn. He wanted to go to Madison Square Garden. He wanted to be a Nick, And so Denver had to appease their superstar. By the way, just real quick, um, thinking about the NBA, and I thought we were past this, and I hate it. I, I hate it, hate it, hate it. Not just because this is my job and my industry and my field and my brethren and all that stuff. But do you know the Portland Trailblazers, the current plan that's in place right now, still is going to have the announcers not even traveling for road games? Like, how awful is that? Like, this isn't like a COVID thing anymore. Like, we're past that. You know, like, people are out and about. We're attending games. We're traveling. Fans, announcers. Like, that to me is pinching pennies. So essentially, you want to save on hotel rooms or whatever, you know, travel, plane tickets for your, you know, three, four, five announcers, whatever it is, the per diem that they're going to get on the road, which is something like, you know, 150 bucks tops, if that. And that's what they're pinching pennies over. And remember in Portland, Paul Allen, the late Paul Allen, Microsoft Paul Allen, Moneybags Paul Allen, he was the one who owned the team. He also owns the Seattle Seahawks, but he passed away. And then both of the franchises went over to his sister, who is now in charge. I mean, what an absolute disgrace if, if that's what Portland's going to be doing for the upcoming season. I mean, thank goodness we don't have to deal with that here in New York with, with, with these announcers. But anyway, I digress. So, look, we'll see what happens. I mean, this is not the last you're going to hear of these Donovan Mitchell rumors with the Knicks, and it's going to be a fluid thing. And you know that once the season starts, and if it hasn't happened just yet, they're still going to be hovering around because I think everybody would want that to take place for sure. Uh, As far as the baseball is concerned here for the rest of the evening or some of the things that are happening in and around the major leagues, yesterday in St. Louis, Albert Pujols connected on a Grand Slam. Number 690 in his distinguished career, talking about career home runs. Why is that important? Well, he's only six behind A-Rod on the all-time list. So not only does he have a good chance of passing A-Rod and getting into fourth place all-time, which is something. Isn't that amazing? Like, because the steroid era and PEDs just completely acted as a wrecking ball to the record books in baseball, we can't even celebrate these milestones and these numbers. And that's so – like, you're thinking about this guy – who has accomplished so much in his career. I mean, 690 home runs. He's top five all time, and he might even slide into fourth before the season's over. And remember, this is it for him. Albert said he's hanging him up at the end of the year. I would love to see him get 700 because I think that it certainly would mean a heck of a lot, but I don't know if he's going to necessarily. Uh, Can Albert Pujols really hit 10 more home runs in the last, I don't know, however many games that St. Louis has left in 40-something games? I, I, I just can't see it. Remember, he doesn't play every day. But at the very least, I think it would be cool if he could maybe hit seven home runs. Get past A-Rod, leapfrog him. Because we know that A-Rod didn't do it legitimately. So I think the further down the list he goes might not be the worst thing in the world. But then you still got Bond sitting there on the top. So who really cares? So Pujols at 690. We'll see how uh, much more traction he can make the rest of the way in the home run chase before his season and his career is officially up. Elsewhere... We told you about Houston and Atlanta. They're starting a series tonight. Braves have a 6-2 to lead in the bottom of the seventh inning. So, Mets aren't going to pick up a game at all. It looks as if, unless the Astros have some crazy comeback. But the Braves have a lead. If they hang on, the Mets also have a 7-2 to lead right now in the seventh inning. So, if the things remain the same, Mets and Braves will still be separated by 3.5 in the National League East going into tomorrow. An Astro loss, though. Yankees aren't going to probably be able to benefit from that because they're right now in the bottom of the ninth inning, and this offense is punchless. I, I mean, what can you say? Yanks uh, right now have four hits. They're losing 4-0, and it's not getting better anytime soon. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's putrid right now. Putrid. Judge is hitless tonight, and I don't know what kind of excuses or what kind of story that Aaron Boone is going to give you at the end of the game. I, I, I really can't even fathom a guess. Can't even fathom it but they've got some issues to work out in a major, major way. Because, by the way, I'm sure you probably know this, if the Yankees continue to scuffle offensively over the weekend, they're going to play the Mets Monday and Tuesday at Yankee Stadium. Only Scherzer and DeGrom are going to be the two guys that they're facing in those games. So good luck with that. I mean, if you can't touch Kevin Gossman and you can't touch some of these other pitchers that you've had to deal with from Tampa Bay for the last couple of days, um, what can you do? You know, who are you going to be able to have success against? And lastly, good to see Mike Trout back on the field. He missed some time, of course, with the Angels. And Trout was back out there tonight helping them beat the Detroit Tigers one to nothing. Big deal. I mean, a matchup with two teams going absolutely nowhere. But Trout had himself a base hit in the game. And now the question becomes, you know, what is his future going to be in Anaheim? I've said it many times. I I really and firmly believe that if the Angels want to turn the corner and get back to being a winning program, I think Mike Trout and or or, or Shohei Otani should not be on this team next year because they can get you a heck of a lot, a heck of a lot when it comes to a package in return. Whether you're talking about major league-ready players, whether you're talking about prospects, that could set your organization up for success, and the Angels need a lot of it. But Mike Trout is a guy who really has not been available much in the last two years. You know, he played in only 36 games last season. This year he's only played in 80 so far. And he's 30 years of age. And this dude has been in the big leagues already for, what, going on a dozen years. And you wonder if it's catching up to him a little bit. And he plays the game so hard and just completely empties the tank, you hope that his body isn't breaking down to a certain degree. Now, the first half of the season when he was in there, he was having like an MVP-type season. It was great to see, but hey, if I'm the guy calling the shots out in Anaheim, my phone is with the ringer on, and I'm letting the world know that one of these guys might be available, because remember, Otani is a free agent after next season. If they ever do trade Trout, they're going to have to probably kick in some of the money, and they're going to have to get creative as far as those things are concerned, because he still owed a ton, a ton of coin, but... They're not winning games. And at the end of the day, what are you doing this for if you're not putting a winning product on the field? And Mike Trout has only been to the playoffs one time, one time in his entire career as the best player in baseball with the Angels. The definition of insanity is banging your head against the wall and getting the same results, doing the same thing over and over and over again. And it hasn't worked for those guys. All right, that's going to do it for us. I'd say we had ourselves a pretty good first week here with the new show. We're going to continue to fine-tune things. You know, we're always going to look to get better, always look to evolve. And we're going to have some fun, you and I. I hope that at least for the first week it was a nice get-together, nice place to hang out every single night at 7, which is what this show is. This is what it's supposed to be. Tell your friends, if you haven't done so already, tell people that aren't your friends, people that you don't even know. You know, act like somebody on the street. You just go up to a stranger and tell them, hey, show's on. Grasso, 7 o'clock, seven ESPN, place to be. But thanks to Tom Bauer, who was at the controls tonight, producing the program, did an outstanding job. Connor Hughes, SNY football insider. He joined us earlier. Always good to talk some local football angles with him. Keep it tuned because Anita is up next with the weekend wager. Remember, no show on Monday. Instead, Jets pregame with Greg Buddle and myself. Then you got Jets Falcons right after. You get me uh, on Twitter, at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you Monday. Grasa saying out on 98.7 ESPN.